0: Join us for a laugh about four chicken and all the details you need to take into consideration when crafting your business proposition. We discuss the lessons of giants like Robert Caldini, Dan Ariely, Frank Kern and Charlie Munger and how to ethically influence your audience's behaviour to choose the best option for them as well as you.
1: You're listening to
0: Digital Bacon FM.
1: It's the top of the hour, and on request, because he didn't want to start his show a little early, we've popped over to Hong Kong to chat to the one, the only, our marketing maestro, Mr. Stephen Barnes. Good morning, sir.
0: Well, a very good morning to you. you know, Actually, uh, uh, that sharp introduction gave me the jolt that I needed to wake up after... Uh, the lulling tune that you played <laughs> uh, just before I came onto your show. Well,
1: it's actually called something. It's called Crazy English Summer by Faithless. I was expecting to have a little bit more of a beat than that. I was quite surprised. Hauntingly refreshing, I think, is the term, Mr. Barnes.
0: Very good, sir. What's been cooking with you since I spoke to you last?
1: Well, I was up at uh, just after three this morning. And also, I have a situation to go through with you marketing related and of course fits in line with our usual conversations on how to do things and how not to do them in the connection economy. Should we start with you or should we start with me?
0: Well I'll tell you what I'll uh, I'll kick off by saying what I'm going to talk about but not actually say anything about it and then pass the (laughs) mic over to you and we'll see how that works.
1: So once again I take second place being a man without the benefit of a formal education.
0: Welcome to my radio show. I'm glad you're my, my guest.
1: This is the Stephen Barn Show.
0: <laughs> That's a little jingle I recorded earlier. Can you play it again?
1: <laughs> this is the Stephen Barn Show. Look at that.
0: Very, very good. Right. So what I'm going to talk about uh, after you have had uh, the, your place uh, behind the mic is how to harness the psychological hardwire, hardwiring, I should say, involving your customer. Uh, you may remember last time out we were talking about selling stuff that your competition can't, mm. uh, and recognizing uh, that your service proposition is going to be uh, completely uh, out of the ordinary, therefore remarkable. Uh, you can, of course, uh, inject into that remarkable proposition elements that uh, basically dovetail squarely into the psychological hardwiring of your customer. So I'm going to talk about that. But uh, other than uh, other than that, and now all yours, sir.
1: Right, I'm going to relay a story from our friend Gulu, the owner of the hotel. Um, She has been after one of those sound bars. You know, those things that play music with a connection to your iPod. Anyway, she went to. No, I don't know that. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, modern thing. Um, She went um, about on the internet having a look at it. And we've got something very similar to Amazon here called Take a Lot. Uh, They they had the product um, at, I think it was five or six grand there or thereabouts Um, and she had a look at a variety of vendors online and then decided that because it was um, musical and technological and if there was a problem she wanted to be able to deal with real people she decided to buy it from a music retailer that also had an online presence which makes sense in terms of a warranty rather than buying it from an all uh, amazon type of place Uh, Obviously, there was a a slight uh, difference in price. I think it was 500 bucks, but she was willing to forego that for service. So she thought, okay, right here, uh, she'll engage with their presence on the internet. Uh, She came to purchase it It said, we accept credit cards. And then they didn't. So then she called the store in Cape Town and said, hello, I want to buy this. I've seen it online. I'm trying to purchase it by credit card. And he said, oh, wouldn't you rather do an EFT? So she said, no, no, no. You say that you sell it by credit card. Therefore, I want to buy it by credit card. So I said, no problem. We'll do a manual transaction for you. All good. Hunky-dory, everything's fine. She gives the address. It includes free delivery, yada, yada, yada. So two days later, he phones her back and says, about where you live. We've just had the thing collected from the courier and they're charging us a thousand Rand for delivery. Would you prepare be prepared to go half half? So she said, Well, no, actually, because I can buy it from Take A Lot for less than what you were charging, and it included free free delivery. The fact that you haven't ascertained what it costed to deliver around the country but are offering a free service, you need to suck it up. And he did. But it struck me that why put yourself online where A, you don't deliver what you promise in terms of uh, the the currencies and the the types of payment you accept, and then have the gall to phone back when delivery is actually not free, and just to try and wing it. Um, What do you think?
0: Well, that's a very interesting story there. And my take on it is that what you have is a industrial economy retailer, recognizing that they need to, in some way, give themselves an internet presence, but haven't really put their head into what that, you know, online proposition should be all about. Um, and consequently, have been caught out in these endeavours, which, you know, the, the steps that they've taken are kind of understandable, but it, for me, represents kind of a... A less than real appreciation of what the Internet's really all about is mm. clearly the way that they, you know, established that proposition, put it out there in that fashion means that they haven't really fathomed it through. Mm. But by the same token, you know, uh, kudos to them. They sucked it up. Um, they, uh, you know, tried to rescue the situation as best they possibly can by um, uh, you know, seeking to sort of claim something back from the customer, which, which wasn't a particularly... It's sort of a astute move but uh once they realized that that wasn't going to pass muster they were at least going to step up to the plate and honor their commitments otherwise so so from from their perspective you know good good on them uh on the one hand on the other let's just assume that they will learn from this and the next time they have a go at uh, uh these things this thing called internet selling uh they'll kind of you know think about what they're doing and uh, uh and have something worth um you know, worth uh, worth selling on.
1: Well, well, a couple of things. A, I doubt it is the first time they've sold anything online, and certainly it won't be the first time that they've shipped something because he said they have a relationship with uh, the courier that works with them. Also, they only made the call after the goods were collected. They could have actually held the goods back and said, "Hang on a minute, let me phone, let me phone the client first before it's dispatched." But they didn't. Also. We, because of our location up here in the mountains, use couriers all the time. So we're very well aware of the cost. In fact, on Tuesday, when I went down to Durban, I stopped in Maritzburg and sent a parcel. It was just over three kilograms to Cape Town. Now, that cost 119 Rand overnight delivery delivered door to door in Cape Town. So... A sound bar is about five kilos. So where they came with a thousand rand from Cape Town back up this way, I don't know. And it wasn't overnight either. It took three days to deliver.
0: Well, you know, in light of all of that extra information, all I can conclude is these poor subs don't have a clue.
1: Yeah, um, you know, the the thing is that if you want to do it, you if you want to do it properly, you can say we do free delivery to major city centres. Anything beyond that, please ask for a quote. Everybody knows where they stand well, mate, then.
0: Well, mate, what you should do, sir, is you should, <laughs> after this show, you should get, get on the phone to them and send them a link to the recording and say, we talked about you and here's something for you to learn from.
1: <laughs> oh, i tell you what I, t- I spoke about on, on air this morning with, um, with uh, my good friend um, Phil, because uh, he does radio yeah. properly, as you know. um. I I went for more tattoos this week, and I bought a product because the guy who does, who does the tattoos. Have you got
0: anybody left?
1: I've got a great body.
0: <laughs> um, Have you got anybody left to tattoo? Uh,
1: at the moment, yes. Um, below the waist, all the way down to my feet is clean of ink. Uh, right. Anyway, you, you're taking me off the subject. Um, so the guy that does the tattoos, uh, strangely enough, uh, he learned to do his art from a Hell's Angel tattoo guy. Um, so you're expecting like an artist, but perhaps with a sort of a biking kind of bent and bent isn't the right word, but you know what I mean? Um, anyway, he's a vegan, he's down to earth. He's completely in tune with nature. So he says to me, listen, I found something absolutely fantastic this week. It's vegetarian chicken. Okay, yeah, that was the stunned silence that also gave him. Um, and he said, "You need to try this product." So I said, "Okay, go on." What I'll do is I'm going to try cook it in the name of good radio, and then do it on the show for Friday morning. And in ter- in terms of marketing, um, it's called a um, oh, I can't even remember now. It's got all sorts of letters. So basically, it's a synthesized uh, soy protein. Um, and it's got all sorts of chemicals and all sorts of crap in it and it tastes fantastically
0: processed just to avoid the meat yeah
1: yeah. and uh, you know when I was doing the description with Phil this morning it was really the uh, I went on to Wikipedia and had a look at the process of how they do it and it was the last sentence of this description that really clinched it for me it said this product is generally used in prison food school lunches and disaster relief packages (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, not not really something that you put on the mark on, on the front of a box to market it. That's for sure. Now, is that is that is that connection cannot economy or is that very old school?
0: That's just it <laughs> is really. I mean, yeah. it's uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, they say that you know the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, but not with a product like that.
1: Absolutely not. It's f- I I didn't know it, it's really faux chicken. But I've just sort of synthesized that, and it's now called Ficken. So I did a, a Ficken Thai yeah. curry. And, and depending on how you pronounce it, you can make it work, work quite well, actually. You bring a little bit of Irish brogue to that, and it starts to get vulgar. So anyway, so we are – this show is all about you. Pass it over to me. I've missed it. <laughs> The baton is passed. <laughs> right sir
0: so um, we've actually touched touched upon these guys previously um, in other aspects of the monopoly planner material um, uh, um, what I'm going to sort of discuss here today is the work of um, authors and people that have uh, kind of understood how the human ticks uh, and have come up with a, a collection of sort of ideas that you know made me uh, understand the absolute critical importance of uh, understanding the psychology of the person that you want to have a relationship with, uh, because if you can really you know, see the world through their view, then you can develop a proposition that's completely frictionless and it represents true market alignment. So in sort of in broad terms, there's four authors, um, four uh, intellects that uh, have contributed to you know, my understanding. This is uh, Robert Caldini, Dan Ariely, Uh, Frank Kern and, of course, uh, the venerable Charlie Munger. And uh, Caldini, uh, his work is really famous for kind of revealing what he's couched as the secrets of the science of persuasion, you know, facets of of one's existence such as, you know, reciprocity, scarcity, authority, liking, consistency, uh, and consensus. Uh, If each of these sort of facets are present in your relationship building endeavors, then the likelihood of you um, being able to persuade ethically through your representations and your conduct uh, people to, to to actually make a decision that's in your favor. So you basically help them along to make a positive decision that's actually a benefit to them, but is also, of course, obviously, for sure, progressing your own interests. Mm. Um, so that's the science of persuasion. And then there's uh, Dan Ariely and his book. Uh, and indeed his TED talk called uh, Predictably Irrational, where he kind of looks at how people make decisions in the real world and the outcomes of those decisions. And uh, any kind of rational assessment or analysis of that decision making process goes out the window because uh, essentially um, people are irrational, irrespective of how you might predict them to behave otherwise. So great work and uh, highly recommended. To you know, gain the insights of uh, of, of, of others. Uh, you can jump in at any point in in in, in this conversation, Jason. Uh, I don't want to hog the <laughs> mic completely. I've got a couple to Thank go you. yet. Yeah, but go you're welcome at this point. Just to jump in and uh, okay, you sure it's, you're okay with it? All it's
1: right, all cool. yours, good sir.
0: Thank you. Um, well, I hope you're taking notes because uh, you know we'll be a test after the show's <laughs> over it's just to see how well you've been as a guest. Uh-huh. Uh, Frank Kern. Uh, who taught me the difference between the social ID and the core ID, and that you essentially um, command people's attention with messaging at the social ID level, uh, and then you do your true communicating at the core ID level, recognizing that when you get right down to it, what people want out of um, you know their interactions uh, with others is uh, empathy and uh, and life experiences. So uh, that's the work of Frank Kern. Um, and then, of course, uh, Mr. Munger and um, the stuff that he sort of contributed to my thinking here. And there's a, a, a video on YouTube called The Psychology of Human Misjudgments, mm. uh, where he sets out for about an hour or so to a class of Harvard, Harvard um, uh, scholars, uh, how he sort of developed a kind of a... a a collection of understandings of, you know, what made people tick and how he could identify what made people tick in certain circumstances and therefore, you know, think through why they behave in that fashion and thereafter obviously anticipate that kind of behaviour in whatever it is you're planning to do to, you know, uh, interact and have a relationship with them. Mm. Uh, And Charlie Munger's work can also be found uh, in his book, Poor Charlie's Almanac. Which is available for sale at all good bookshops, but mostly via the web. But you'll never see it in the bargain basement bin. It's always sold at full price because you can't discount Charlie Munger's wisdom. And uh, uh, part of his condition of sale is that it will never be discounted from the price that uh, it's on the uh, on the cover.
1: Right now, I'm I'm going I'm going to uh, put you on the spot. I know that you're a fan of Blinkist and you like reading sort of pricey works of books. Did you read the whole one or did you read the condensed version? Of which one? Of all of them.
0: Of all the books that I've just uh, essayed? Yes, sir. Well, okay. So, The Secret of Science of Persuasion, yeah, I read that probably from when it was first published. So, it would have been early 2000s, late 1990s. Yeah, early 2000s, it would have been. Uh, Dan Ariely, I've uh, read the book uh, and I have seen his video, uh, his TED Talk. Uh, and actually, some other stuff too of his that uh, he's got on uh, on YouTube. Uh, Kern, I have consumed probably 50 hours of his material. Most of his <laughs> stuff is uh, uh, most of his it. stuff is uh, is for is for sale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Most of his stuff is for sale, hmm. and uh, I've been I've never I've never actually paid any money over to him. I've been able to glean kind of what it where he's coming from and what he's saying through his his sort of teaser and public facing. Materials. Uh, and in any event, um, I think I know enough uh, from what he's suggesting in, in terms of an appreciation of the social ID and the core ID, together with Caldini and Arielli's work and the King Charlie Munger's stuff, that I um, I don't think I need to pay actually to, to dive any deeper into his material. That's not to suggest there's no value in it, mm-hmm. bucket loads of value in it. Um, it's just that, you know, my resources get. To go where I think they're best placed, and that's not less, not nothing so much like financial, it's attention. Well, there's nothing like the power of free, and uh, it, it, it's interesting that if his proposition had been a little bit more free, how he might be able to get money out of me. <laughs> uh, so, well, it just goes to show, right? You can have a, a, you know, can have a complete genius like Kern that has that understood a gazillion years ago the psychology of an internet user mm. and how to persuade them to sort of do things. That you know, he's developed a formula that has massively, a, you know, proven its value and worth, and I could never second-guess it in terms of being able to 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 take you down a uh, a a journey of persuasion that you don't even know that you're on. Mm. Um, so there's huge value in that. Um, but I, I but I know for myself that there's huge value in free, okay. uh, and uh, free isn't present much in Kern's work. Whereas I think that if he understood what I understand about free. Uh, he'd be able to generate probably more revenue, all things considered, because in the final analysis, if you've already got a relationship with somebody and they value your work, whatever, whatever else you put out, as long as it, it's new value, they will buy it from you because Kevin Kelly's thousand true fans motif, you know, plays writ large here. But for someone like Kern, uh, that's on, you know, a multi scale, a multi level scale. He's, he's massive. He's a gazillionaire by now with, uh, with all the good stuff that he's done.
1: Right, it's a good segue into uh, going over free and publishing. Um, and as you know, I've started doing or trying to learn gymnastics, and I bought a really good book. I think we we had a discussion about the uh, the courier company that failed to deliver it for three weeks. But anyway, the book itself was called Overcoming Gravity by a chap called Stephen Low. And I think it's about 750 pages. And once it had come from the States, it was just under a grand. Um, and he publishes a lot on Reddit, uh, the chap that wrote the book. And there was a long discussion about why he didn't take this book and actually make an online version for it so you could download it from Kindle. Uh, he's written two versions of the book, the first one, um, and the, which is very similar, but the second one, he updated it and made it more user-friendly and included a load more stuff. Um, but the first one, you can find it online, you can download it for free. The second one, however, you have to order it by hard copy. And he was saying that the piracy is so high that he actually didn't want to do an online um, version of it because there was just no value in it. But he was putting the information, the usable information, on to Reddit. Um, I got the book. I was happy to pay the money for it with the exception of having to wait. And the way that we live in the world now, we want instant gratification. I wanted the book the day I wanted it, not over three weeks later because of where I live. Um, what do you think of the idea of piracy and people avoiding publishing uh, to avoid people stealing stuff?
0: Well, this is, this is a classic conundrum right uh, that presents itself in the connection economy because you know if you grew up in the industrial economy and you created your value and maintained it and distributed it on the basis of uh, scarcity rather than abundance you then in turn have an expectation that your ability to monetize what you're good at um, is necessarily delimited to packaging it in some sort of format and giving it to somebody to consume Mm. um well you know we live in the connection economy now and so whilst you are you know maintaining the uh, integrity of your industrial economy revenue model by not publishing it anywhere on the internet so that material just never finds itself on the web The reality is that if you're ultimately just going on to sell a book, you're perpetuating the old industrial economy business model, and you can bet your bottom dollar, Jason, at some stage in the future... That, that content will appear on the web, mm. uh, copied, uh, you know, because that's what the web is. The web is the, the world's biggest free of charge copying machine. Mm. And, and people will either inevitably, if it's as good as you have suggested that it is, or even if it isn't as good as suggested, it will inevitably end up on the web. So it's going to get out there anyway. Yep. So my take on this is that, you know, this, this guy needs to, you know, redo his thinking about what it is that he's actually selling. And then leverage the fact that he is the you know author and the old time sort of super guru uh, in this particular niche uh, and then sell stuff that you know the consumers of his content can't otherwise get now i don't know what that is because i don't know when you're buying a book like the the one that you've booked and you're accessing this guy's know how i don't know actually what it is that you are buying. You tell me when you when you made the purchasing decisions for that book, mm. what did you think you were buying?
1: Uh, it was a, well, it is a book on how to do the progressions, uh, to achieve gymnastic excellence. So a step-by-step guide. So if you want to do the planche, all of the progressions, you need to do that. It also has a section on rehabilitating, uh, any muscle damage. So basically it's a tome on, uh, exercise from a gymnastic perspective. It's, it's actually brilliant, um, and worth every cent I've paid. Uh, I would have just been happier to get it quicker, although reading it on a Kindle or on an iPad probably wouldn't have done it justice because it is a large book. Um, so I can see it okay. from, um, from that perspective. <clears throat> I would also say that if I lived in the States or in Europe and it got to me within 24 or 48 hours, I would have still preferred the hard copy of the book. So there's that well, to be said for yeah. it. Um, yeah. Um, but... Th- It it goes to another question. This then applies to all books that are exercise or anything that requires any steps or illustrations because they're much easier to read in a book. Is it not then Amazon and other book retailers' responsibility to ensure that the way that they deliver that content, be it to a Kindle or something else, can't be copied?
0: Well, well, I don't think that's the issue, to be honest, sir. I think the issue here is... How can the author of this book leverage his specialist know-how so that he can give what the market give to the market what the market needs? So, I mean, I don't know this material, but it seems to me, in broad terms, he could give away for free immediately via the web, uh, 85% of the content of that book for free, and that the, let's say the actionable insights that he gives you um there that's it let's say that's 15 percent of the content that's ultimately what you go on to buy Mm. but i would also at the same time when you allow immediate access to uh you know the balance 50 percent of the content i would also then put in place the dispatch of the hard copy book to the customer as well so that you're addressing all things at uh at one point in time
1: Mm. the the disadvantage of 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 doing that though is the actual cost of publishing. As I know, I've published my own books, and you need to sell a certain amount for it to become viable to cover the costs of printing. Well, indeed, indeed. But
0: remember, mate, remember, mate. We're we're talking about true fans here, right? We're Mm. talking about people like you that have gone. Wow! Shit, I've had that. I've had access to eighty-five percent of this, but the the, the critical fifteen percent it could be action steps, it could be formulas. I mean, I don't know how, what materials all about. But the critical fifteen percent that you absolutely need to have access to mm. that is the catalyst to making to making the uh, the value exchange, mm. and and you will pay for that, right? Yep. Whatever whatever that value is, you will pay for it because you're a true fan, mm. and you just build in the the, the actual cost of the uh, of, of shipping. the the hard copy book via Amazon or whoever is the fulfillment agent. You just just factor that into into the price of the product.
1: Well, what was really interesting about his approach, uh, as you know, Reddit is a a huge platform and it, it covers a variety of subjects. And he's formed a tribe around him and his skill. And they have pages and pages and pages of different aspects of his book. He puts information on there different progressions, things that he didn't put in the book and also as he's you know getting further and further and further in his own development of stuff that he's doing, he's adding to it. So he's formed a community of people who like overcoming gravity in this way. Um, I just wonder when he does a third iteration of the book or he does something different if he would go down the hard old school publishing route or go online now that, he's, now that he's established himself a community of hundreds of thousands of people, because that's how he could make the cash, right? You know how, you, how you've done it with um, your various platforms where you say, right, subscribe, uh, you pay a small amount a month, and you now have access to my information. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, I give all my information away for free, but for joining a Monopoly tribe, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the other stuff. But that, that's a se- separate issue. Um, what, what I would, if he were if he were in a bar uh, asking me for, you know, off the cuff advice, what I suggest to him is that he needs to get that community off Reddit and put it onto his own website mm-hmm. and have the traffic now passing through his website. He can continue to run the webbed theme but he needs to get, you know, basically get people off there and onto his own website and build a tribe around his own website because Reddit, believe it or not, is rented land. You know, Reddit tomorrow could decide that, well, you know, they don't like this material or they change the policy or whatever, and that's it. He's caboodled. So him. that's a big problem. That's a big problem. So I get him. I'd, I'd have him on his own website, and I'd have him start thinking about now that he's got a he's got a tribe. What does he know that uh, they need to know, uh, and how can he present that information and know how to them in a way that uh, is actionable, delivers value, and will uh, will persuade a, a you know a, a percentage of that tribe who are the true fans to part with their hard earned dough. That's how you crystallize new value in the connection economy.
1: Now, sir, uh, we're coming up to the bottom of the hour. What is on for next week?
0: Oh, well, let me see. Uh, If I decide to invite you to my show again, because I'll have to reflect on our exchange today. Mm. But uh, if we do happen to get together on my show next week, then we'll be talking about Chapter 28 of the Nopla Planner Material. about why you really need to reverse the risk in the transaction with your customer, because if your intention in your commercial endeavors with your with your customers to get them to part with their hard-earned dough then you've got to assess all the risk factors in that transaction and insofar as you can remove all of the risks to make it completely risk-free for that other party to transact with you if you can do that then you're absolutely guaranteed to be successful so uh, i think we'll talk about that next week if um if i decide you i want you on again
1: and if you did ever have your own show what would it be called
0: Not the Jason
1: Black show. Yoda knows the force is strong within you. May the force be with you. You will succeed. Yes. Mr. Barnes, you have an absolutely awesome weekend, my friend, and we'll catch up next Friday. Digital Bacon FM. I hope today's podcast
0: was informative and that you've learned a thing or two about online businesses and how they should behave in the connection economy. Join us next time for more info on how to reverse the risk.